My name is Tom. I shared my Steam library with my friend. Then we chatted about it. This is... Two guys. One library. guys no let's start with hey guys hey guys hey guys and this is two guys one library my name's tom sharp and this is colin ramsey okay so how many uh, how many games do you have in your library i don't know too many i mean i certainly haven't played them all but as we've discussed at length i have a mac which means that i've got lots of games that are tantalizingly close to being able to be played but I can't because I've got a Mac. You can almost taste them. Yeah, so I've got a lot, but I think I've got probably about 80 on the Mac. And to be specific, we're talking about Steam Library here. Yeah. You don't, do you, do you use any other sort of platforms? You, I've you, got a PS4. You've got a PS4. Um, but uh, I, I rarely buy games. I'm subscribed to PS Plus, so just wait to see what useless tripe Sony are going to feed us every single month. And uh, so you're not, you, you haven't uh, been convinced by the Epic Games Store? I have no interest. In Maybe we'll go into other libraries at some point, but my 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 main library is obviously the Steam library, which I've been. Uh, I was. Uh, when did you first go on Steam? Because I've got very fond memories of when I, uh, I first was on Steam. I think I said to you the other day that my Steam username is actually an email address with with an at blueyonder.co.uk um, mm. domain. So that's how long ago it was. It was when I was at university and uh, we had uh, Blue Yonder Broadband. So that was. I don't know. It was when it first came out, so what was that, 2012? Something, Something like that, that yeah. Because I remember getting it with the uh, the orange box. Yeah. Because I wanted to play Day of Defeat. Well, it was when I was playing loads of Counter-Strike, and it came out then to support stuff like VAC, to stop people yeah. cheating, um, which I remember very vividly actually trying out some cheats prior to that just to see what it was like, and it was kind of fun. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> it's clear to say that we, we, we've both been into games for quite a long time and the, the, the Steam library... We've got pedigree. We've got pedigree. Mm, pro gamer, you're going to get good. Mm. <clears throat> well, hopefully over this series we'll then end up uh, finding out how good I get. Uh, well, I mean, I think that is important to mention that we are not good. Good. No, we're not pro gamers. <laughs> the best I, I was in a, I was in a clan for Day of Defeat and we were on en- Enemy Down. Yes, I don't know if anyone same that. with the Counter Strike. <laughs> Yeah, and little would we know that we'd uh, still be uh, wasting our time. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Although so, our mothers would probably have picked that. Well, my, I remember my mother laughing at me with my headset mic, uh, <laughs> yelling grenade uh, <laughs> and Panzer Shrek and things like that. Um, so the the whole purpose of this uh, this exercise, if you will, it's uh, is to um, to use my extensive Steam library as of the date today, which is the fourteenth. Of August 2019, I have 896 games Is registered on my uh, on my Steam library. All of them rubbish. Uh, well, you say that. You say <laughs> well, that. This, well, that's what's going to be revealed. Is what isn't we're going to find out. So the the premise of this is to uh, uh, I've shared my library with you. We've filtered out anything that you can't run without some sort of complicated wine or partition OS. Skullduggery. Yes, otherwise you get a giant Steve Jobs icon popping up. Going, nah, 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 you forgot to use the right platform. <laughs> um, and so we're going to look at two games every single time, uh, of which we haven't perhaps spent a lot of time playing. And this episode, we're going to look at uh, Unturned, which we... Uh, which we played a little bit together, and I played a little bit solo when it was in early access, and a which is a open world survival game, I suppose. And with zombies, with zombies, and uh, the second game is a puzzle platformer called The Swapper. It's I think it is uh, one of the things about Steam, and it's uh, it's a great platform for indie developers. But oftentimes, when a new indie game comes out, it there some, does seem to be more of the side scrolling. Um, and puzzle-based things than than other stuff because they're just they're easier for indie developers to create. Sure. I suppose. So when they crop up, I'm kind of like, oh. Really? Obviously, as the um, as as well as the, uh, the the landscape changed with Steam after they brought out Greenlight, and then basically just ignored anything after Greenlight. Uh, that um, it's just an unmitigated sluice of anything <laughs> from asset flips to uh, you know cash grabs. Um, some of which are great fodder for the, uh, the the let's play community, but. 
Yeah, but it's much better involved doing that than making, say, Half-Life 3, surely? Surely, yeah. Um, talk about hype, you know, I mean, really, it could never live up to anything. It would have to have to sort of do your washing up at the same time, wouldn't it, really? So, the um, the first game we played, I I'm, uh, just as a preamble to this, I, I remember when it first came out, free to play, and I was struck by uh, the fact that it was a, a Canadian, I think his name is Nelson something, and he was 16 at the time of uh, the early access release, which I, I thought was quite incredible in terms of what I played. But this was before I saw a lot of other games which are kind of imitating this style. Um, Roblox and um, Zomblox and lots of other Blox-esque games. I was playing it and um, my nephew was looking over my shoulder and he said, you're playing Minecraft. Mm. Because it's you know it's a, a similar aesthetic. So but... from, just give us a, a brief outline of um, your kind of first impressions of it. Well, I do remember playing it a long time ago. I'm, I think you and I might have played it together very briefly. And I went on and I was like, I've got no idea what I'm doing. And died almost immediately. And it looked a bit, you know, cack. Um, but actually, when we played it again recently, that didn't put me off. I think maybe, you know, I've got to the stage where I'm not too wowed by fancy graphics. And I'm quite happy to be slightly behind the curve in terms of, you know, the latest AAA stuff, which I only get through PS Plus three years after it's been and also it turns your laptop into a, a flaming tablet. Yes, there is that, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so when we were playing it the other day, I mean, I was actually, I laughed quite a lot, which is always a good sign, because I really had, I couldn't remember from the previous playthrough what was going to happen. So when we were assaulted by a zombie on its knees, a zombie vomiting blue, and just a normal standard zombie, I thought it was quite, uh, I, was, I was enjoying myself. Yeah. But it, it, the other thing is, it's so hard. Yeah, I mean, well, to, 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 to wind back slightly, it's, uh, it's essentially an, uh, a server-based kind of open-world thing. There's uh, set maps, there's one like France, and Russia, Germany, I think, and they're kind of idiosyncratic of those landscapes. Yeah. And then there's a huge modern community which goes into it as well. But I, I mean, the servers that we set up, well, that we played in, they were, I think they were quite vanilla ones. And you join in, and I don't know, what was the player caps on some of those? It was like, like eight or something. Eight or ten. It wasn't, wasn't massive. But it was, the matchmaking thing was really good, actually. It was pretty straightforward to use. You know, you just get into a lobby together and then select a server, and yeah. we were in. So that was good. It was pretty frictionless. So the, um, but the aesthetic of the game is essentially uh, sort of blocks. Uh, it kind of looks like a sort of a, an unstylized, un uh, <clears throat> bare-bones Minecraft. Well, an indication of the aesthetic is... Um, I think shown when you pick up a tomato and the tomatoes are square. A square. Which, in real life, tomatoes aren't square. Yeah, uh, depends what political and economic circumstance we're in. Or, I mean, they're not Japanese watermelons. Maybe, maybe in the Eastern Bloc. In the Eastern Bloc, indeed. Eastern Blocks with an X. Um, so, the one thing that I, I think that first struck me when uh, when I booted it up again was the uh, was the UI. Now, can you tell oh. me a little bit about the UI? Well, it, because to come up with a core game concept is fine. To implement that core game concept, also fine. But then when you start adding stuff onto it, so this game has crafting, and I think that's where it starts to become a little bit frustrating because the user interface, it's not slow necessarily, but it just, it's laborious. You know, in order to craft stuff, you have to like drag stuff and then move it into another screen and then fiddle about, search for what you want to um, actually craft. And it... It is clunky, and um, not to the point where it puts you off from playing it. But there's definitely room for improvement there. Well, are you saying that there's there's a, there's a learning curve to it essentially? Because yeah. um, well, it, it's one of those games where you you kind of have to have the the wiki open at the same yeah. time. And uh, yeah, I agree with that because I I didn't really even sort of the, the 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 core elements of it, which are essentially sort of you level up, you craft, and then you sort of scavenging, fighting, and base building. But I didn't realise the importance of the, uh, the the skill up tree. So you've got things like you you become faster, your stamina regen, and you've got and and it does have a very strict set of um, survival metrics running at the same time, like food, water, yeah. and then there's like a, a a health one as well, which is yeah. like radiation or something. Yeah, there's a radiation thing which adds a sort of more because obviously you're running around and you're getting eaten by zombies, which is bad. But in a more sort of medium term, you have this kind of ambient radiation, which um, if you get eat, if you get bit by a zombie, if you eat food that's too low quality, then it's basically fifty percent. Anything below fifty percent, yeah, yeah, can harm you. That that um, immunity bar 
and kind of gets knocked away. And if that goes underneath 50%, then you start to slowly lose health automatically. So it's an, basically another ball ache in something that it's already a massive ball ache to stay alive. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, w- I would put this under the, uh, the category of uh, PvPVE because you're essentially against players and also the environment at the same time. Yeah, but, however, in our um, time playing it, uh, we also had the PvP, the PvE, uh, and the UV me. Because, yes, absolutely. Because there was very little in the way of constructive uh, assistance. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, and I've got my, uh, my rig... Uh, which is a, like a high-end rig, which was, I mean, boosting up these fantastic uh, skyboxes like you wouldn't <laughs> believe. It was like playing Elite Dangerous all over again. Uh, I tell you, these uh, the constellations were beautiful. And I had everything cranked up, and it said, like, light, uh, it had um, light shafts on, on as beautiful or resplendent or something like that. And it was chunky to say the least. But personally, I, I like the aesthetic of it. I find yeah. it quite charming it's and fine. stripped down. Yeah. I like the look on the little zombies' faces as well. They look kind of, oh, you know, they, they, they've got a nice start to them. I, I think it's got a good sense of humour. But let's, uh, I mean, because this is the first first episode, um, there's a certain way that I play these sort of games. Uh, it being an open world game, a little bit sort of like Daisy. I think it's meant to be. I've never played Daisy um, because I've only just got the internet back uh, after many years of not playing online games. And, uh, but we've played a fair bit of Minecraft in the past, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it's a similar sort of thing. Like Minecraft, perhaps more so in that the aesthetic becomes part of its charm. Mm-hmm. And it's what makes it appealing because there isn't fancy graphics. So it means that everyone can play it, yeah. um, which I think is borne out by how successful it was. Minecraft's very accessible, though. And the, uh, mm, in, yeah. in a sense, uh, yeah. I think its crafting systems are a lot less hidden, a lot less obfuscated. But the 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 boundless sort of scavenging nature of it rather than the sort of perhaps foraging mining element of it kind of separates the two. I think the comparison is almost too easy between Minecraft and this. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I agree with that because it, they're not the same game. But in terms of the way that I like playing these games, because I, 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 it was interesting to me to, to note that I'd uh, logged up seven hours of this playing it solo in early access. I played solo. And I really enjoyed just uh, knocking around in it. it. One of the things about the game is it does feel really bleak. Yeah. Um, and you never... There's not a lot there. No. I mean, for considering we were playing the Russia map, you go to St. Petersburg or Russia, two of the locations on the map, and, uh, yeah, it's a bit empty, mm-hmm. apart from zombies. So it yeah. doesn't, but it's quite stark. And, yeah. And, again, I quite like that. There's a, a, a thing as well with the, um, with the sort of PvE element of it. Well, let's take that for now, is that the, you go into any, any camp and there's a very quick respawn time. It kind of reminds me of um, playing Far Cry 2, where you clear out uh, a, an encampment, a roadblock, and then you'd go about 10 metres down the road, turn around, and then they'd all be stood there again. And you go, okay, it's kind of like that. And then, but hats appear in front of you and lettuces, yeah, just odd. as they kind of they kind of emerges out of it. Mm-hmm. I, felt, I felt oftentimes like I was in the holodeck. But then that that... Over time, when you kind of realise that, that that is a thing that happens, that you use that and you sort of exploit it by just picking, picking up everything, yeah. chucking it away and then waiting for everything, everything yeah. to respawn, which is a bit of a hack. But it, well, well it's, I mean, it, it'd be a cheese, I suppose, we'd, we'd call that because uh, I got good and learnt the lingo. Uh, the, um, uh, yeah, because in, in that sense, it took me a while to kind of realise that that was happening. And then I ended up just grinding an area until it respawned everything yeah. and then I, I made it safe. And, so, uh, and to that end, like it's you'll go in somewhere and you'll find a hat and you'll find a t-shirt and whatnot and all of those basic things. And each of the clothing items let you carry more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so like at the very beginning, you can't really carry anything. But if you get a t-shirt, then somehow the t-shirt has pockets. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and the same with all the other bits of clothing. You can store stuff in your hat. And it kind of doesn't really tell you any of these things. You have to almost pay attention to the way that the UI is kind of just thrown together. Yeah, and again, it's it's another reason to have the wiki open, I think, because yeah. you can just go like, well, what's all this about? But one of the problems is that you'll spawn, you'll be in a location that you're not familiar with, and then you'll go and find a village or whatever, and um, 
you're basically fine. Nothing. <laughs> because, you know, it's all very well just having a t-shirt, but you've got nothing to defend yourself yeah. with. You might end up with a rake. And you're beating zombies with a rake. I enjoyed my time with my rake. Yeah, I really um, liked the scythe, actually. The scythe was, was good. Very yeah. satisfying. It's got nice range. As, as you found out, the chainsaw was quite an effective early kind of, like, phase weapon. It is, um, but you, you have to... You have to get pretty close, though. Yeah. And you have, they only spawn in certain locations, as most things do, so you have to go and try and find a farm. And once you've got it, it is awesome because it doesn't require fuel. But one of the downsides is that because it's a chainsaw, it's really noisy. So using it on one zombie isn't really an option. It makes all the other yeah, ones empty. Yeah. Which, when you try to use it in a bigger city location yeah. in the game, I mean, it, and you necessarily don't want to aggro those um, horrible little uh, the, the really jumpy ones. Because yeah, the there ones. is obviously um, an element of uh, you start the, the the zombie the neo zombie law kind of idea, where, which Left for Dead I think was the very first one that did it really well on. In computer games, I mean, obviously Romero in film, he changed all of like the you know was it was it Land of the Dead where you had ones which there was a fella who managed to learn how to climb or use yeah. a wrench or yeah, yeah. Like, like like you know use the, Linux or something like that. Like it the was, first time that Daleks could go upstairs and exactly do, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, but this one, when it first came out, it literally just had like shamblers. Yeah. Um, and now there's these sprinty ones, which remind me of the jockeys in Left for Dead. Have you played much Left 4 Dead? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> so maybe this conversation's a bit redundant. So it's very kind of like four-person co-op thing. Yeah, you go for yeah it. I, I know the It's very yeah. it's source, isn't it? It's Valve. You know, it's... Yeah. But, and, but what you're saying about different types of zombies, you know, you've got ones that are... Um, and in film this happens as well, or in TV. You get some that have completely bog-standard shambling zombies, some that have running zombies. Mm. I don't even remember... That, what was that thing called that Charlie Brooker wrote? Oh, Dead Set. Yeah, which yeah. was amazing and had really fast, terrifying Because yeah, that was going after the 28 Days Later <clears throat> yeah. um, zombie. But, I mean, you had uh, you got Spitters. I mean, my favourite zombie type, I mean, you might be able to chip in with your favourite zombie type from anything. My favourite one is from Left 4 Dead, which is um, an incredibly creepy zombie type, which was called, oh, what is it called, Hag? Oh, like a witch. Yeah, and she'd she'd sit there. It might be called a witch actually, and um, and she'd be kind of on on her knees, just kind of crying, going, <laughs> and then you could hear it for ages, and it was always placed somewhere really isolated, yeah, like in an industrial unit. And then you'd wander around the corner if you spooked her, then she'd just kind of spring up and just lunge at you, which well, I thought was stunningly terrifying. I enjoyed some of the because Left for Dead was they not Left for Dead. Um, what was it called? Uh, the one from uh, Criterion. Criterion? Not Criterion. Oh, my God. Hyperion? Who did Uncharted? Oh, uh, Naughty Dog. Yeah. Uh, Last of Us. The Last of Us, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Um, and that had a nice variety. It had these massive beasts, oh, like sort of tanks. Yeah, yeah, the tank um, ones. Yeah. And the ones that, that you sound to detect. You yeah, I mean, like that. I mean, that, they... they that fitted into a whole different sort of canon. That's more of uh, the uh, the girl with all the gifts, isn't it? It's yeah. the uh, the kind of plant infection yeah, thing, yeah. which uh, I'd, I'd say was a subset. <laughs> but, it's a different clade, really. The, the point is that, that there is scope to have like fucking tons of different zombies, yeah. you know. And in this, um, we we have like the the shambling ones. We have the the crawling ones that don't have any legs. Then we've got fast crawling ones. And we've got ones that spit. At you. Bit, and then there's the invisible the radiation invisible ones. ones. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh yeah, brilliant. So that's yeah. fantastic. And the ones that are on fire, which yeah. are my favourite by far. Yeah, one. absolutely. And obviously, if they're on fire, obviously they're going to explode. Of course, at some point. Of course, they will. I mean, and how do you how do you generally feel about sort of zombie games? Uh, as it, as it goes, ambivalent. I mean, I think there. Are... So you're not like a zombie game hater, no? Because like, lots of people go, "Oh my god, like another zombie game now." No, because it, I don't think it really matters. It doesn't. I don't care that they're zombies. They're just some clever gameplay mechanism that's coming at you. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I think it's done pretty well. Yeah, it does. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. And it has enough variety. And and actually, I haven't looked on the wiki. There's ones that we haven't seen. Right. Um, oh yeah, there's big ones as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, I think that that part of the game is fine. But, obviously, when you've got a zombie coming at you, you've got to work out how to kill it. And the combat stuff is really simplistic, I think, um, and a, a little bit clunky. It's difficult to know your distance if you're using hand-to-hand. -hand. Um, I, I favoured, rather than your chainsaw kind of, like, murderous, like, Mike Myers approach, I went for a, um, uh, most of the time, a crossbow or the compound bow. 
and then do a headshot, yeah. and then they then they draw them, which is very satisfying because mm. you can one shot them. Yeah, the times. And then I found, mm. you know, then I realised that I could maintain the arrows, and then I started naming the arrows like you name your gun. Obviously, Tina. It's always Tina. Uh, and then but, all the little Tinas. But all the, the different approaches to combat, like if you've just got, you know, at the very start, you might have a, I don't know, like a, a paddle off a rowing boat. And, yeah. And that'll take about 10 hits. But you have to, so you have to reverse away from them as they're shambling towards you and be battling with the thing. So um, that brings us quite nicely with the paddle onto the other element of it, which is a slightly smaller element in, in terms of my experience of it uh, when we were playing on a, a public server, was the PvP. Now... I was doing okay, and then I got beaten. Well, I met this fellow who had a paddle and nothing else. He didn't even have any trousers on. And then, um, I, did he, maybe he had trousers on, and they took them off to come and attack you. Maybe. Uh, and he, um, he, he eventually just beat me to death with his paddle after I saved him from a, a bit of an aggro horde. And, and I remembered I had these kind of swelling feelings of what it was like to play in kind of PvP servers uh, that I was just so annoyed because I'd spent a good sort of two hours. But this isn't like a respawn situation where I'd face another respawn with the same loadout, like in a FPS. But you can go and pick up your stuff. No, he took it all. Ah, right. Yeah, well, he, that's he, he took it all. And also when you die, any upgrades that you've done, so you can add, you know, um, you can be faster or you can um, be able to craft different things. So there's a lot of different things that you can upgrade. Those upgrades get knocked off a little yeah. bit. And, and those are all got through hard those, those are the valuable bits yeah because you have to kill zombies to get XP to Absolutely. get the upgrades and so that's actually perhaps more annoying knowing that you've you've actually those are hard one things yeah. rather than just the things that have randomly spawned and in that way I think that it, it has an element of uh, there's two reasons why I'd say that um, both uh, our main criticisms obviously up to this point have been about the UI and the crafting and sort of like the obscure nature of it and also the you know if you do die be it from an environment or player um, element that you have to retread all that and it is hard one but I'd say that that increases the threat and makes the game more tense and makes it more enjoyable yeah it's genuinely scary when you find someone another player on mm-hmm. the server because you don't know whether they're going to be passive or aggressive yeah. and the one time when uh, someone uh, found me and they were like they typed into the chat don't hurt me. But I had a chainsaw, so what was I going to do? I hunted him down Absolutely. and killed him. And I had an upgrade, which made me, made me a little bit faster, so I was able to chase him down and brutally yeah. murder him. But then he had loads of cool stuff that I didn't even know about up until that point, things like painkillers, um, which are just really effective um, ways of healing yourself. So I went and sought out those yeah. in the nearby town. But also, you did get a minus one, and when I logged back on the server, you were a thug. Yeah, but, you know, thug life. And thug life. Mm. So, um, all in all, then... Um, I personally, I personally enjoyed it, but it's the the sheer amount of time I spent, and it, and it wasn't I say sheer amount of time. I guess I, I mean it was a, a few hours. I say maybe I did another six hours, maybe total over the I'd, last that last. Yeah, I'd, I'd play it again as well because I think that the way that it's it is unforgiving, but also you learn new stuff every single time that you play, mm. and so. For example, you might find a bedroll, and a bedroll means yeah. You, you kept telling more. me that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Tom, get a bedroll, and he was like, the, nah. um, my my a bedroll lets you spawn back. Yeah, to absolutely. It when you die. It's a kind of a safety net, isn't it? And I, I refuse to listen and heed your because I, in my sort of play style, I tend to kind of uh, I'm an iconoclast. You know what? What's... I mean, that's one way to put. It. I would say troll. But, yes, okay. yeah. Let's put it that way. Um, so all in all, I, I I enjoyed it, and it's one of those ones that I might say. Do you fancy jumping on that server for a couple of hours? We'll mm. probably have a good time playing it. But I think that to really grind it out into something more fulfilling, you know, where you end up getting helicopters and mm. and all the kind of fancy machinery uh, and a base, you'd have to sink a lot of time into it. You me. would, but the way that I ended up getting into what I would think is a fairly safe position, because you can you can leave the server and come back and you'll still have all your stuff and whatnot. Yeah, it's persistent, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I took to doing was I learned the the map quite well. So whenever I sp- died and then spawned, I would just try and sprint to the nearest city and get all the cool stuff possible. And my aim was to get enough upgrades that I could build uh, a locker. And all a locker is, is a, yeah. a steel box that you can put your valuables in. And so you, you claim can, it, don't you? Yeah. yeah. So if you do die, you can go back and get yeah. it. 
So those little things like that that I, I didn't get to the point of doing that, I just kept dying and respawning, dying and respawning. Um, and I became quite quite tired of that. But I reckon if we buddied up and had a locker, it would be fun. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd go back to it. I personally, it's not going to change the world, but to be honest, I'd, I'd, I kind of prefer the idea of these games like kind of um, Daisy. The idea of that is much more appealing to me now in a way because mm. uh, I have some friends who play that and love it. This... But over something like... Um, say Fortnite, which again, the battle royale thing is essentially the same sort of thing. Respawning, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it's it's definitely got its flaws, but I still think it's a good game. The thing is, I can't remember buying this game. No, it was free. Was and it? I still think it's free. Is it? And that's, how does that work? That's I I I don't know. Uh, it still says free to play on it, right? Which I think is incredible. You can, I think you can buy an, an like an account for it, and you go onto like premium service. Ah, right. I think there's something along those sure. lines. But actually, I, I I like that model because. There's no, I would never pay for it, but clearly enough people have to have funded yeah. the development up until now. And it's got a big modding community, so yeah. there is a kind of a continuation. There'll be a legacy for this. <laughs> um, so yeah, Unturned, I yeah, I enjoyed it, uh, but perhaps I'd need to um, look into it to see whether I'd go back. Yeah, I, I, I would play it again, but I think my patience is already starting to wear a little oh, bit yeah, thin yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I, like I was saying, I had that idea of going to the nearest city building a locker that was like an achievement and now that I've done that I haven't played it since yeah, yeah. so maybe like now that I've got to that because yeah. you can get stuff like helicopters there's actually there's a whole swathe of stuff that we haven't even touched on you know vehicles and the quest system you yeah. can go and get quests from NPCs um, but knowing how almost arbitrary death is in the game yeah you would be perhaps a little bit reluctant but the more you learn Obviously, the better you get and the better your stuff becomes. So, you know, maybe death is always a risk, but it's not like later on in the game, you're, it, it kind of scales with you, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. you go to harder places and on missions, but you've got cooler stuff, so it's, it, you know, the level of yeah, and, threat but You're kind of up, up, up in your threat as well to the world and your ability to survive persistently in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that one done. I, um, <clears throat> I'm glad we, uh, we both... Uh, both managed to spend some time together in a, uh, in a, in a post-apocalyptic hell. I think um, to, to finish off um, talking about Unturned, I'd just relay a story of when we were playing it. And uh, Tom was uh, bleeding to death, unfortunately, mm. and had loads of cool stuff. So started dropping it for me to retrieve uh, upon his death, but then continued to just take off all of his clothes until he was naked and, as a kind of last hurrah, disappeared off into the sea. Nude, but at that point he'd stopped bleeding, yeah. so he's basically just stood in the middle yeah. of the sea. And then, uh, then I had about two percent health, <laughs> and then got instantly killed by uh, you know just a mild infection. Yeah, I enjoy it. So yeah, risk of death unturned, lovely. Um, okay, so uh, let's let's go on to something. So we'll go into the second game, the, the swapper. Um, uh, but uh, let's go first to, uh, to what, what, what's the game that you're playing at the moment? What, what, what are you playing at the moment that you elected to play that isn't a part of my library perhaps, but it might be, it might be something we'll touch on in a future episode. Well, I have to go back on what I said earlier on with, uh, about only getting games from PS Plus and via this, uh, this podcast, because I did actually pay for a game, and that game is No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually quite excited because today... Um, they're releasing a big new update. Is it called Next? Is this one? The, Next is already. Is that the about, one you're playing? Right. This is uh, called Beyond, um, which adds uh, a whole host of features. But obviously, No Man's Sky was no- notorious when it came out because it was completely unfinished. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact circumstances, but it seems like it was forced out before it was ready. I think they they uh, they focused too hard on making your eyes bleed with the sheer amount of colours in that <laughs> game. Uh, I, I remember when the, the first sort of uh, leaked bits came out, it was like. Really? That's bright. It, it That's does, very, very bright. It looks good. Um, and it's, but again, it, I'm kind of like, is this fun? There are bits of it where I, I feel like I'm putting in work rather than actually enjoying it. Uh, we're talking about the uh, the grind grind loop thing because uh, I've got a, maybe we'll we'll do an episode on uh, on our space sims at some point because uh, yeah. I'm in yeah. a Elite Dangerous yeah and, and actually that's quite good because we can compare and contrast obviously I can't play Elite Dangerous on uh, Mac um, I, and I'm not prepared to pay for it so uh, no. I think you can get it on PlayStation you can yeah but I, I, yeah there's no point I think it's it. pricier on the PlayStation than it is on the PC I think that's oddly the case. Yeah. Um, but 
I'm not going to buy it. Good luck mapping all of those buttons to the to the <laughs> gamepad because uh, I'm I'm still confused sometimes of whether I'm doing a heat sink or lowering my landing gear or maybe I've got my. Does car it have heat sink? Well, you have to do heat dissipation. Yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds enthralling. Oh yeah, yeah. You should. <laughs> Unless you're trying to do all this whilst getting destroyed in open play by uh, a player killer, which is fantastic. At least No Man's Sky is quite whimsical. Yeah. Right. It does look. I, lo- I always love the look of the the, the creatures. That's all procedurally generated, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I, I like it. Um, but again, I'm looking forward to this update because I know that there's some kind of quality of life improvements in there to make it a little bit less grindy. Quality is... of life improvements. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what? <laughs> I just uh, just not having a good time right now in No Man's Sky. So it's somebody's sky, but it ain't my sky. I mean, yeah. I mean, in. That's a nice segue to myself. I'm playing a lot of Elite Dangerous, uh, amongst other things. I'm dipping in and out of lots of games at the moment. Actually, no, I'm not going to talk about Elite Dangerous. I'm going to talk about something else. I'm going to talk about a game called Homefront, um, which I played about half of when it first came out on the PlayStation. And it's it was one of the most incredible, uh, miscalculated uh, PR stunts they ever did because the, the whole concept of it is that um, uh, Korea has has gone way nuclear. They've they've gone on tilt and they uh, they go nuts and take over America. Uh, Japan surrenders and they kind of uh, and so the you know uh, what was the what was the tagline for this? Uh, war is where the home is. Um, something like home is where the war is. Something like that. Anyway, they did a. Uh, they did a really failed um, PR stunt in San Francisco Bay, releasing all of these um, like Korean flags or something yes. like that, or home front stuff. And it so happened to coincide with some sort of war mem- memorial kind of thing. Oh, film. God. Um, and it's a terrible, awful, awful game. Well, you played half of it before, and now you've gone back to it. Yeah, I wanted to finish to see how, how low it sunk. You've got a real kind of self-destructive streak right? yeah my quality of life in games is quite <laughs> poor um, yeah I, I, the, the, I've, I'm up to this bit where you um, it's, it's a first person shooter essentially and you're in suburban kind of uh, Colorado and then there's all of the uh, the Korean army military police out everywhere and uh, and you go into this kind of eco town there's like and it's called Oasis, and it's hidden from the. Uh, is it a centre park? Yeah, it's a little bit. It's a bit like centre parks, right? right? But um, you've got. Uh, it's easier to um, uh, pick the correct weapon during a fight in centre parks. It's also um, centre parks has um, much better dialogue. Centre parks, uh, the best weapon I've found is to uh, put a round of drinks on someone else's tap. Yes, uh, because that will raise their um, bank balance to the yes, ground. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yes, uh, just to let you know, down at the Jardin de Sport in uh, Longleat, there are other um, uh, accommodations available. Other accommodations are available. Uh, yeah, but Centre Parks is by far the most terrifying. Anyway, uh, so Homefront's what I've been sort of trying to... And I, I booted it up just before you came over, actually, and uh, I, I pretty much rage quit. Every time I, because I, I get to a point after about ten minutes of play, and then I go, no, you, and and then I'm pretty much the next time I think I'm going to uninstall it again. But you still persist. I, yeah, I want to give these um, these terrifyingly low grade games another go. But it was it was quite um, it was quite an infamous game at the time, and I always wanted to finish it. It feels like um, I don't know if you've ever seen the television series of um, The Man in the High Castle, mm. but that looks great. Um, and but it's got all of these kind of um, yes. Japanese imagery. In um, it's like, like no, LA, yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like um, they're yeah, it's the like an incredibly charmless version of that. It it just it it just made me made me realise that a lot of um, game writers and concepts, you know, it's obviously a, you know, there's some pro- producer somewhere going like, this is gonna be goddamn great. I really want to fight a commie, and that's all it does. It, that's all it does. And you've got every single trope that you could name. The controls are terrible. The gunplay is awful. Uh, you get even on easiest modes, you get gunned down far too fast. Anyway, that's why I've been playing Homefront. It's terrible. Okay, well, I hope that you stop playing that soon Great. for your own mental health. Okay. Right. So the uh, the second game that we installed from uh, from the one library is uh, the Swapper. Well. There's no real reason or rhyme to how we've been choosing these games. No. Um, so they have been. At random, and actually, we played this. We both played the swapper before, but 
as I said, you know, we're choosing randomly, that's what came up. And um, I read the, I really couldn't remember that much about it, so I read the, the sort of synopsis. And I was like, oh yeah, I do remember playing this. And it looks, one thing I will say is that you play it for a couple of minutes, you're like, this looks fantastic. The, the, the graphics are unique, I think, in what I've seen. They're not as you would probably expect, 8-bitty. Um, they are oddly sort of blurry and grainy, but behind that there's a photorealism to it as well, which I, I, for the first couple of minutes is really appealing. Mm. And then after about 10 minutes, it becomes just annoying. Mm -hmm. and I, I, there's a lot about this game that I can't properly put into words. There's just something about it that winds me up, yep. which I think is a real shame because in the very beginning... It feels great, and then it just drops off a cliff. Yeah. So essentially, the swapper is. It came out. I'm gonna take a stab at how how deep my research goes. Is let's have a stab at. <laughs> um, uh, maybe two years ago. I think I got it in a bundle, so it's probably going to be more like three years. Uh, and it was critically acclaimed as a, a platform puzzler, and essentially you crash land on a planet. Uh, oh, these are trigger words for me already. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, platform puzzler, and you you crash down on the planet from a, a blown up ship, and, and relating back to what you're saying about the graphics, I thought on revisiting that they were sort of a bit like uh, the game that I mentioned to you the other day, the Blue Flamingo, which is a an R type Tyrion type shooter shmup, which uh, where they made models and even the 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 landscape as you cruise along it is all a big diorama, it's all 3D. It's an incredible work of art, really. Terrible game, I thought, but... And I thought it was a bit more like that. And But there's something about the, the tonal palette of the lighting, first off, is when... Because you, you, you're essentially on this planet, and it's quite gaudy, but it's using lights in a very specific way, which is related to the mechanic. Uh, so you've got this swapper gun, um, and you can create clones of yourself uh, to solve what are essentially, uh, how, how best to put it, horizontal and vertical sort of cloning, switching, character switching puzzles. Yeah, and in the very sort of beginning of it, and actually if anyone's played Inside, there's some bits um, in Inside yeah. which are very The similar. mind control section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where the, the premise is that you can create clones of yourself and those clones will follow your own movements. And in doing so, you can project your clone up onto a, a cliff or something and then control the clone as you're moving and the clone can do stuff that you can't reach. Mm -hmm. And that's the initial mechanic, which is then augmented by the fact that you can um, shift your consciousness into the clone. You become the clone, mm -hmm. which hints at a load of kind of philosophical ideas that I imagine are explored later in the game. But frankly... I didn't get that. Yeah, the um, it peppered through it. There's little uh, terminals which you can access some backstory, and it kind of gives it you piecemeal, um, which I found unengaging. Uh, some of them are kind of just a bit sort of uh, they don't necessarily have anything necessary to do with the uh, what you're doing at the time. Some of them are just sort of memorandum between different characters that yeah, you like have, a, like a cargo log. Yes. And that felt like a bit of a waste of time if it was more direct. Um, the other side of like the backstory, you know, giving it some sort of context, which I think it really needed context um, to make you want to play on, is that you there's these kind of pitted little pumicey rocks, yeah. like something that you take into the bath, but a bath that was much bigger than you'd have in a normal household. Yeah, and they, they and then, come out with all these kind of abstract yeah. things. Um, so it would tell you sort of like, space is something that uh, I can move through, but... I am not in space, I am through it. And then what it's trying to do that I realised on my way back from a particular little puzzle area was that it was trying to give me a hint. But it felt like that little Britain sketch where oh. it's like, on a Thursday, I am. You know, it's like that kind of, like, a man who only speaks in riddles. But obviously there's some sort of consciousness on the planet. It's addressing the, the high concept of, you know, what it is to be. You yeah. know, a sort of a metaphysical idea. And as you, you start to get further in the game, um, the you're still using the same mechanic. You're still projecting the clones. And you can have up to four, so, you know, you're controlling multiple at the same time. But the problem comes with the puzzles when, rather than using that in a clever fashion, you are doing stuff like pulling boxes and mm -hmm. jumping on them. You are a la doing... Limbo. Yeah. But, but Limbo did it so well. And here's the crucial, crucial point. I mean, yes, the, there's, there's 
mechanics different. I mean, it is quite obvious that something like Limbo, which is so stylized and so oozes with this atmosphere, and the art style is incredible, and all this kind, of, it's quite an easy comparison to make. And you go like, well, it's a, a side thing with hot buttons where we make things move and then you have to get through the bit and it's an interesting point about game design it's why does one work and why does mm. the swapper not work and you know I, we both talked about a place where we, we got stuck where you have to drop one of the clones down and try and uh, time it so you'll shift your consciousness into the clone as it's dropping yeah. down but it's it's really hard but it's not just that it's hard it's annoying no, I, and lazy that's the point um, the my issue with that section was when it first introduced that mechanic. Or it's not a mechanic; it's like an inbuilt bit of it. But it's testing your use of the tool. <clears throat> There's a, essentially a delay between you making the action a click and when it actually fires. And so, when I was trying to time the the clone falling, I was missing it constantly. So it ends up frustrating you more than. So every single time I succeeded in doing one of the puzzle segment I came out of it going thank fuck that's over <laughs> and I was glad it was over and that's not how I should feel I should feel like I've mastered something I feel like I should have um, gone that was clever and I got a satisfaction exactly and and then with all of these games that we talk about you know Unturned you go to Minecraft um, the Swapper I think you have to go to Portal because Portal is a yeah. classic of, of a very similar genre or you Cube know, as I yeah. kind of mentioned but that's more like a physics-y thing but and I've a lot of people don't agree with me on this, but I think Portal Two is a worse as a game than Portal One in some ways. It's amazing narratively, but one of the reasons I think Portal Two falls down slightly is because some of the puzzles are frustrating. For example, you have to search around to find a particular piece of wall to put your portal <laughs> on, and it's miles away and it's tiny. There is one, that's one particular bit, and I do remember finding that frustrating myself. Yeah, because um, yeah, we never stop banging this drum about Portal 1 and 2. I mean, I, I think it's because... But you have to, because they're classic. Yeah. Um, but to go back to the swapper, the problem is that it's almost like Portal 1 and 2 never happened, and this person, whoever developed it, hasn't learned the lessons from why those puzzles were so satisfying, because the puzzles just aren't satisfying. Can you recall any other um, sort of 2D plus, essentially it's a 2D plus kind of platformer, because it does have a sort of, a, it has a really nice parallaxing effect, yeah. actually. There's bits of it that I really like, because one of the big mechanics in it is about lights, so you can't make clones through certain lights, you can't um, inhabit a clone through a different coloured light and there was one light which I got frustrated with which is a purple light which I had no idea what the hell it was meant to do it just felt like some sort of naff disco after a while maybe that's what it was yeah um, my biggest gripe with this because it's just not my type of game well this is what I was going to say it might be that we didn't enjoy it because we don't find it particularly we don't find but, puzzle games but I just think that doesn't negate the fact that it, it is frustrating and it could be done better because I don't want my games to have those little twitchy, you know, a, an infinitesimal moment where you have to press a button and then that's how you succeed in the puzzle. That's not yeah. a puzzle to me. Maybe maybe some people found the control scheme much more accessible. I personally found it very clunky. Because uh, especially when you're trying to lay down where your clone is and sometimes it, it, where it registered didn't quite yeah. work for me. The movement of the character is another thing. I found it very slippy as it kind of wandered around. Bit. And I hate the way his arms move. What? It just kind of, you know, he, he looked like an action figure with his kind of, I uh, just, I, nah, just not behind it in, in any way. I found it frustrating. Cause, and, but it, it should be um, uh, kept in mind that I gave up on Limbo for probably about four years because of one puzzle. I knew how to do it. But and this is kind of this is just to say that I find these games inherently frustrating and they're not for me. See, Limbo, Limbo's the first one, isn't it? And it was yeah. inside after that. Yeah. So Limbo, I thoroughly enjoyed, but I agree that there's some bits on it that were frustrating. But as a whole, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. But the, there's something about um, the the kind of very subtle narrative in Limbo that I really yeah. liked. You yeah. know, the, the and really Inside as well. Yeah. Inside has got a bit more of an overt narrative, but the um, the problem with the Swapper as well is it kind of goes with these kind of very... Oh, I want we, we chatted about this as well, about the idea of like clone... You clone yourself. Is your consciousness in those clones? I mean, it, maybe it goes into that 
I probably won't have the patience to go into this much further. But um, like I said, it reminds me of The Prestige mm. and that bit where Hugh Ackman is uh, in the film. I haven't read the book, uh, but he... Uh, the book is better, by the way, mm. and has a very different ending. So if you do get the chance... Do. So when he drops into that into that sealed water thing, it's like, is he going to be the him that splits... Or is he going to inhabit himself still and walk out? Yeah. You know, which one is he going to be? Well, I mean... I mean, but this is the point. When you're making all these clones, and if they're going to bring that concept, that's quite a high concept, into it. I don't know. You meet another character in the Swapper, and then it, it kind of spirals out from there. I am neither enraptured with it enough to kind of carry on with it. I'm not drawn into the character, because it's kind of a faceless, kind of Freeman-esque kind of voiceless but with, person without that implicit charm that, yeah. that Gordon Freeman had something. you know yeah and you're like the however sort of violently misogynist and awful that uh, the character from GTA 3 is I mean it's an entire character who says nothing you know there's, there's lots of examples of these yeah. characters but I nothing really drew me into this world because I didn't know what where how it was I think in contrast with something like Unturned where the 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 actual you can explain the game very quickly, but there's a lot to it as well. You know the different layers of how to survive, mm. of of how to craft, of the vehicles, the quests, and all of that. But with um, the swapper, there is essentially one mechanic to it, and if you don't like that, then you're screwed. Yeah, it's a puzzle platform. Yeah, um, and I think it's well, it's testament to the fact that you know I'll, I don't know is it better or worse for me to have spent about six six odd hours playing it with you recently. On unturned, or you know, a fraction of that. In is that me not giving it a chance? Well, yeah, this is what I thought because the 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 little hints of the story did appeal to me definitely. But then it reminded me of I can't remember the name of the episode, but the episode of Star Trek where they find Will Riker's clone in the transporter buffer, and then you have that question of what who is he? Yeah, because they end up naming him Tom Riker because that's Will Riker's middle name, and. Um, and they kind of explore whether Tom should have the right to kind of go and live the same life as what Will did. You know, mm. should he be going out with, with Will's girlfriend? Should he be taking Will's role on the Enterprise and all of that stuff? Can you know, he sit down on chairs in the same way or is that just Will Riker's thing? <laughs> indeed, you know, like... Will he be having a, a beard or will he be going smooth? Yeah. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, and that's a really great episode. Yeah. And you even get... Um, Tom Riker coming back in a couple of episodes later on and explores it a little bit more that's a really good exploration of that idea of cloning a consciousness and what role it has in society you know I didn't feel like there were any hints to what was happening that it might go to that yeah Yeah. Um, but I I think maybe the obstacle for me getting to the point where I might get some sort of closure on that feeling towards it is not ever going to happen because I just couldn't get on with the actual game gameplay loop yeah. itself, I th- and I think that's core. If if the the story had maybe front loaded a little bit more and pulled you in a bit better, then that might have kind of softened my anger about the <laughs> the stupid puzzles. Because I, even if you like that style of game, I still don't think that's the right way to do it. It shouldn't be the sort of like millisecond twitchy mm. button clicks to try and yeah. solve a puzzle. That's not puzzle I was, solving. I was largely reminded of a, an old, very old game called um, Contraption Zack. I don't know if you recall that. I don't uh, that. Uh, it was basically like a, you're a handyman in a, a crazy factory. I don't on a PC. Uh, on, I think it was on just a floppy disk. And, um, and you've got to kind of solve puzzles in that kind of flight. It's an isometric thing. Had lots of different layers. And even going back to things like a Chips Challenge where you're kind of putting stuff on blocks. But then... The extension of something like this is almost like Spelunky has taken those elements and done it better. I mean, I've played so many side-scrolling puzzle games. I think that is part of the problem as well. But then you could say that... Uh, why does the same not apply to One Turn? There's a billion games that are like that. Survival horror. Yeah, maybe it's easy to, to spend like seven hours and faffing around with... It's a sandbox game. I think there's, yeah. there's more depth in Unturned than there is in the swapper. You mm. can't get away from the fact that that central core mechanic doesn't work very well. Yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm going to go with that. Um so I mean, for me, the 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 swapper was eh, eh. the swapper can go fuck itself. Okay. I'm just just um we've both done it now, so we're going to have to put that little e next to it. Uh, I just beep. <laughs> 
Uh, no, oh yeah, I could do that. Couldn't? Yeah, oh, that would mean I'd have to edit this. Uh, so yeah, we might might not do that. Um, so thoughts about uh, um, the unscheduled sort of uh, next episode? What are your thoughts right now? What what kind of game do you reckon that you'd pick? Because we're going to do this like a picking thing. I'd like to uh, pick one that firstly doesn't make my Mac set on fire. Okay. Secondly, isn't eight bit. Okay. Thirdly, isn't a side-scrolling puzzle platform okay. but then other than that I'm kind of open to suggestions have you got no but have you got any thoughts of what you might pick uh, for us to play because I'm going to pick one you're going to pick one well I haven't had a chance to look through the full library yet. well it's going to take you a while <laughs> with 870 games yeah. Um, yeah. no I I mean personally if you look back at, at all the games that I've I've enjoyed it over you know however long I've been playing um, computer games I'm a massive fan of FPS. You know, the past few games that I've absolutely loved. Spider-Man on the PS4, God of War on the PS4, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, all absolutely amazing games. If we could maybe plumb through the depths of your library and pick out an old, really well-renowned one along that sort of style, I'd be up for playing that. Yeah. Um, I certainly refuse to try and go back to Deus Ex 1 again even though even though they called it an enhanced edition it, it feels like wading through hell the original yeah which which it's, at the, the time is incredible System yeah. Shock 2 as well I don't care you can call it enhanced edition there is nothing enhanced about that <laughs> just briefly on System Shock 2 I've never understood why people give Half-Life 1 such grief for having a weird alien ending but System Shock 2 is the exact same thing um, yeah yeah no, good point uh, it's probably because Zen Zen because it had in a similar style to the Swapper, little twitchy, you know, jumping, yeah, which you did, precision uh, stuff. That's that's the. I mean, uh, we could do an entire podcast yeah. on why Zen is rubbish, but <laughs> the um, the the problem is you didn't have to do Mario S platform jumping for the entirety of the game, and then it suddenly goes, hey, do that, and then kill a baby, <laughs> um, which isn't what you really wanted Gordon to to do, you know. Very true. Um, I mean, it's God knows what Black Mesa the uh, the the remake thing or make of Zen yeah but it's been I'm going for so long there's every chance that I'll be dead by the time I'm done <laughs> so it may be moved um, but I, I would play it because I'd be intrigued and I know Half-Life it, was wonderful it's going to be Gabe Newell isn't it he's going to be the head of Black Mesa <laughs> he's just going to kind of turn and I thought you meant the Nilanth or whatever it's called at the end of Half-Life they'll yeah, just yeah. put Gabe in there instead well it takes off its big rubber baby mask <laughs> and then it's the G-Man and he takes off his big rubber G-Man mask and it's Gabe Newell and then he dangles a, a a thing that says Half-Life 3 and then it sets on fire. That's it, and then, you, then your laptop explodes. Yeah. Um, but in terms of next games, um, you suggested Soma. I'm, I'm enjoying it to the point where, because you, you classically don't like scary games, so I'm oh. thinking about that. Yeah, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. I, I just want to make you wee little whiteies. Famously gave up on Dead Space because I was too scared. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, we'll have you uh, covered in wee by the next time we do Brilliant. an I'll, episode. I'll prepare the top. Thank you very much, Colin. And you, Tom. Bye. Yeah.